0: This is the Bayma Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Marty Solomon. Just kidding, everybody. We did not get rid of Brent Billings. He is still with us, but he. We, I had a day to record, and Brent couldn't record today, and so I thought, well, what what better idea than to bring our next guest interview? Into session six. And so, uh, other than feeling absolutely lost, I feel absolutely lost without Brent Billings on this podcast. How crazy is that? But I have the next best thing, probably maybe even a better thing. That's right. I have my wife with me today. Hello, everybody. Becky Solomon is uh, maybe I'm the co host. Uh, welcome to the Baymoth Podcast with Becky Solomon. I'm her co-host, Marty Solomon. <laughs> so today we'll be uh, chatting and you'll be able to hear from my lovely special wife, except it's probably shouldn't have taken me over 200 episodes to get you on the podcast. That's right. That's but here again. you are.
1: Here I am. I'm honored to be here.
0: Hooray.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: She's honored to be on my podcast, everybody. How great is that? uh i'm honored to have you here been honored to be married to you for over 17 years we uh, on the day we're recording this we actually are just a couple days beyond our 17th Mm -hmm. wedding anniversary by the time it posts we will be months beyond that but yeah 17 years of wedded bliss that's right so I thought that the uh the thing we could do today is just kind of introduce what some of those ideas might be that we would chat about and then maybe in future uh episodes and I bet there's probably even other things we could chat about. Oh yeah. But people ought to know like people don't know. People don't know who Becky is. They assume that is she like Marty? Are you like me? No. Are I'm you
1: opposite of you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Opposites attract. Uh yeah, you are are you a Bible scholar? No. Do you like to read?
1: I maybe said that too firmly.
0: Yeah, it's okay. Do you like to read?
1: Mm, it's not my favorite hobby, no.
0: No, you don't like to read. No. Um so so you but but you do like to What what do we call you in our family? You are a
1: I'm an empath.
0: Like, yeah, you love empathy. Yeah. So you're yeah, a feeler. I'm very
1: um naturally drawn towards relationships
0: and you learned something about impasse recently that there were two different kinds of impasse tell me about this
1: yes my daughter is going um taking a class online class and
0: our daughter who is abigail who is 12 yes and she so she's taking she's doing the uh, pandemic online learning and she has an online class about character being yes. a person of character, yeah. which is actually her thing, we yes. have a we have a list of family values. Yes, at our house, mm-hmm. and we list one of our our last family value is that we are individuals, like we're all different, and so we list out all of our. I'm an influencer. Our son Ezekiel is an achiever. Becky is uh, empath. An empath, and Abigail is a person of character. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so taking this class, oh, I'm not necessarily taking it with her, but I sit in and listen along and. One of the lessons was on being empathetic. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to listen in. And what I learned, I didn't know before, there's two different kinds of empaths you can be.
0: Okay. Tell me about the empath you are not.
1: I am not a person who can guide you out of where you need to go next, your next step.
0: Often these people are what professionally? A
1: therapist or a counselor or... Yeah. So you're either a feeler, empath, which is what I am. So I will sit with you in your mess and I will cry with you. I'm very good at that. and Or I'll be happy with you, whatever you're feeling.
0: You can be with me when I need you. You can be with me, not just me as your husband, but if somebody knows you, you can be with them in their stuff. Yeah. And you will be a very good presence. And I you will can, not be the guide that gets right. them out of it. I bear.
1: will feel very deeply whatever they're feeling.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic.
1: But the other feeler, yes, is someone who can feel that and empathize with you, but guide you to your next step along your journey.
0: So that's my wife. So she's like she's the opposite of me. I am not a feeler. I am an overextended thinker whenever you do anything on the Myers-Briggs, the MBTI, Temperament scale, I am always over. I run from my feelings. I have an emotional part of me. There's no doubt about that. I'm, I have all kinds of emotions at work in me, but I am, when it comes to decisions, I am totally 100% thinker, mm-hmm. and my wife is, I don't know if you're 100%, but you are definitely on the feeler side yes. of that balance. All that kinds too. of other ways that we're different. What, kind, what other kinds of ways we're different? People don't know you. People have been able to listen to me for 200 episodes. Uh, My wife uh, loves to be funny.
1: I do. Very sarcastic and
0: funny. Absolutely. She's always been able to. My life has been bearable because she's in it. And she will always take very difficult, hard things and make them light. And my stress and my anxiety, which I have a lot of... Uh, this episode's getting far too personal, but, uh, yeah, no, it's always been good. What other, anything else? What other ways are you different? Who are you?
1: I'm different in every area. So you name something, I'll be different. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's pretty much, that's pretty much the truth. Um, I, I, we talk about our family values and I might as well just head off this email here and we got time. We, we can talk for as long as we need to. Brent's not here. He can't shut us down.
1: That's right. Well, I mean, if he's editing, he just, yeah, he could shut us down. He could cut, us us he could cut Start out this whole the music. Thing.
0: but uh somebody's gonna ask me they're like oh you have family values tell us more about that so first of all we'll give a plug to where we got the family values from the uh, family culture project Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple good friends of ours um mary Jean and jeremy inman uh, we knew them when we lived on the palouse they were from pullman Uh, they spent time on the mission field in ethiopia um they have a heart for family, for children, for worship. They're just great people that have been great partners in the ministries and in different ways. And they came back from Ethiopia. And one of the things that they started was a family, what they called the family culture project. And it was, uh, you're able to pay a membership and you get access to these tools that help you uh, go through different phases of family development, building family culture, learning how to parent. Um. Just some. Uh, just some. And so we did that. Uh, we did that to support them. And then we were like unbelievably surprised at just how useful everything was. And one of my favorite parts was the very first phase where we, you actually constructed family values, and then you ended up putting them on. We we ended up putting them on a family poster that we framed and have in our house in a couple different places. And then we we repeat and we recite those values every night before dinner. And we're able to talk about them, and when families, when, when we, when our family has to make a decision, uh, so, so we have, we have family values. People are, are going to want to know what those family values are. So, uh, what's our first family value?
1: Uh, we worship.
0: We worship, and I don't know if we're going to be able to. Are we going to be able to remember without the poster in front of us all the oh. sub points?
1: You, you better than I.
0: <sighs> we are. We are loving, uh, generous and kind as a part of our worship, like being that kind of people as a part of our worship, but our family value is that we worship. We are a family, the Solomon family, we, we worship and we do that by being, uh, loving and, and, and generous and kind. We do it by, uh, we do prayer. Mm-hmm. We do, what else do we do? Bible. We do the Bible. We do, Sabbath. we do Sabbath. So that one worship. Yep. And we do self care. Uh that's what that's our sub points on we worship. So that's our first we worship. And then our second family value we bring hope. We bring hope. We bring our family. One of the values is that we bring hope to other people. And so that we do that by being um caring and hospitable. Uh we do that by having more than we spend. And what we mean by that is that we want to have like extra. Because we can't we can't bring hope to others monetarily we can't share of our resources if we don't have extra to give away and so we always want to have more than we spend um and then uh uh, what else what else we got there on sub points um we use money for uh for good for both ourselves and other people so we bring hope uh what's our third family value
1: um we create memories
0: we create memories yes you can probably this is one of your you you this is a big passion of yours yeah You wanted to be, I wouldn't have probably even thought about this, but when we were coming up to family values, you wanted to be a family that valued memories.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so we do that. How? How do we make memories?
1: Uh, We travel together. Travel together. Might have to help me out a little bit. (laughs)
0: Let's see here. We travel together. We uh, enjoy our hobbies. Yeah. We try new things. We try new things. Yeah. Uh, We have fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then our fourth family value. We go all in. uh, Which means we're lifelong learners. It means we live life intentionally. It means that we um, we are committed to each other. We want to be a family that, and then that last family value is is we are individuals. It means we're all different, and we can we're all together. All other all the other family values. That's we are we are all in this together. That's what we do together all solomons all the solomons do this but then that last family value is but it's still we are still us we are still individuals and we're still unique and so that's that's We didn't plan on doing that on the podcast today but yeah the moment i mentioned it i was like Huh, oh, should probably talk about that
1: yeah when you mentioned it, it like all flooded away from my brain so i was yeah. like oh there you go <laughs>
0: So the Family Culture Project, Brent will show. Uh, he'll throw a link to that in the show notes, so you can have a link to their website and where you can find more about that in the show notes. Their Family Culture Project, Mary Jean and Jeremy Inman. Mm-hmm. I love their. I love their stuff. It's great. Um, it was very meaningful to our our family, uh, and and it wasn't like this horribly in depth, profound. It was profound because it was so simple and it was so accessible and easy and concise. So. It's not something you have to have all kinds of time for. You can take it at your own pace. You can, it, it was just really well done. So good job, guys. Let's see. What else uh, do we have? Well, these are the three topics that I think, like if if we're going to have Becky Solomon on the Baymont podcast, I would think we would talk about things like marriage.
1: Mm-hmm. That's important.
0: I don't know how quickly you, you said mm-hmm, that very quickly. It made me mm-hmm. very nervous. I don't know if I want to talk about marriage with you on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I might expose something.
0: And then we could talk about parenting. That, yeah. would, make, that would make sense. We have kids. I feel we like parent. we have two kids. We could talk about parenting. Uh, and the reason we talk about it with you is because we want to get your perspective on marriage. Your perspective on parenting. Mm-hmm. You know I'm going to talk. That's just what I do. Put a mic in front of my face. I'm going to say things. Uh, but we'll, we'll try to hear from from my wife. And then, and then another thing that I think people would find interesting is uh, we have this Jewish heritage. We we live a torah observant lifestyle uh, hopefully if you've gotten to session 6 it means you've listened to the first 5 sessions which is important because you'd need to have the theology i think when people hear that they make all kinds of assumptions like we just moved to cincinnati i'm getting up in front of people to preach i'm wearing tassels i'm jewish like everybody kind of makes assumptions about what that means and who i am and you know what kind of messianic jew i am and there's a, it's a tricky has it been tricky to live To live out?
1: I would say when we very first started, we had to learn all the...
0: All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Because we haven't been this way forever.
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: I I knew of my Jewish heritage for a long... I'm not going to get into the whole story. I don't tell a lot of my whole story on the podcast on purpose because, you know, doing that to 100,000 people that listen to the podcast is uh, really vulnerable and... Probably not wise. So, uh, if you're ever with me and we ever have lunch and share a cup of coffee, I'll gladly share my story, our story. We would, but we don't do that on the uh, big, huge podcast here. But, but I wasn't. We we weren't. I knew of my Jewish heritage. I was not raised with it. I was raised in a typical evangelical fundamentalist Christian conservative Christian upbringing. Aware of my Jewish heritage and my Jewish family line. But but not at all with any observance of that at all. Like we haven't been in my family practicing Jews for a thousand years or more. Um, my father came from a very strict LDS background. And because of that, we have our family genealogy mm-hmm. through the LDS church. Mm-hmm. We had access to it. So we, we kind of know where we've been. Since 936 AD, we have a genealogy that takes us back to the mid-900s, and my family lived in Cornwall, England. We didn't change addresses for uh, almost a millennia So until we, we migrated over to the United States. So it, we knew a lot of things about our family, but we weren't coming from this. But then as I grew in theology, as I went over to Israel and Turkey, I eventually came home from a Turkey trip and had a conversation with you about Mm -hmm. theology and Jewish heritage. And like we said, you're so into theology. Mm -hmm. You loved that, right? Yeah. Right. (laughs) So what was that experience? Let's go backwards on our list here. Let's start with the Jewish. Let's start with that conversation already in it. Let's just, what was that like? What do you, what do you remember? What is your recollection?
1: Um, I remember you coming home from the trip and wanting to talk about it. And we talked about it and, I didn't know what to expect, but I love adventure. And I was like, mm. let's do this. And I think um more importantly, I knew that God had called you to this and I didn't want to be a I don't want to stand of in the way of what God was calling you. Um, and so I wanted to be your partner in that. So I said, let's let's do this.
0: You said at the beginning it was hard.
1: It was hard. We were just we went through a lot of text together.
0: We did. We read the Torah three times. Once just to read it and, and just try to talk about what all the laws were, like talk about a law whenever we saw it, talk about a mitzvah, talk about a command. And then the second time we tried to write them all down. Mm-hmm. And then the third time we talked about like, okay, if we were to live according to a Torah observant life as Jews in that covenant with Jesus, what would that look like? How do we best understand it? which we've learned and grown in mm-hmm. all of that.
1: Yeah. And and it just took practice practicing all this. And over the years we've gotten better and we've nailed some things and other times we just, you know, hey, let's do that better next time.
0: Yeah, which is totally I mean that's that's it. We that's don't we don't let us too. we don't we don't beat ourselves up over the times where we totally dropped the ball or we were ignorant because there's so many things I don't know. We don't live in a Jewish community. Right. We live in an evangelical community, always have, and that's where we feel called to. Like, that's where we'll find our home unless Jesus tells us to do something different. We don't live in an Orthodox Jewish community surrounded by Orthodox Jewish observance and Jewish tradition and halakha and interpretation and teaching. And and so there's all kinds of things we're ignorant of, and I've just learned as I've gone, and I've tried to steward that learning as best as, as I can and the best that we can. So, yeah. But do you feel like it's not as hard now? Like you said that as if like you've gotten used to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a part of our life now. And even just uh, thinking of, it has such an impact that what I, I don't want to go back to the doing it the other way. It has meaning and, and I feel fu- fulfilled.
0: What was the hardest thing about that transition? And then what has been the, one of the things you've loved the most? Tell me, tell me the hard, the thing that was hardest, unless it's Oof. changed. I know what the answer is here.
1: Oof, Well, the clothes. <laughs>
0: That's what I was going to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. We read through that and, um, having blended clothing. So, um, we did a purge through all of our clothes, anything that was blended, we got rid of. So things that were a hundred percent cotton or a hundred percent polyester any fabric that was 100 percent, we kept which was few at the beginning
0: especially for you especially for me for me i was fine like i, I had plenty to i already had plenty of clothes but men's clothing was largely 100 percent. my my jeans were 100 percent. my yeah. so i was like what's the problem she's over there purging two-thirds mm-hmm. of her closet
1: yeah no skinny jeans no leggings no, everything was going
0: everything in women's clothing has like one to three percent spandex i
1: it. know <laughs> Oh, it was rough, but over the years, um, you just sl- slowly collect. But the the cool thing is about that is over time, as people learn, people close to us learning our story and this, um, when when a wife will go through her closet, I'll end up with a bag on my front porch and oh, a te- yeah a text that says, "Hey." I found all these in my closet and I just wanted to see if you wanted to have them before I sent them off to the thrift store. So I'll end up with bags of clothes on my front step and I love it.
0: And so what's something that you love about this whole experience? What have you come to cherish the most about it?
1: No, oh, so many things, but, um, I do love the festivals. Um, taking a different spin on our holidays. It, it, growing up, we didn't ever do Passover or or any of the Jewish holidays. I mean, um, but that has such a a impact in doing it with my children. Um, I love doing the holidays. The, another hard thing, sorry, was we grew up with, we had a Christmas tree during Christmas time, and we decided together that the Christmas tree was gonna go out the door. Yep. And that was really hard for the first year, but now it's so good for me. And, And I don't want it to come back. We, we, um, focus on different things during Christmas time and we don't put up a Christmas tree, but that is one thing that is really meaningful to me as well is we are focused shifted.
0: Right. Oh man, this episode is going to provoke so many questions. I'm going to have so many emails after this. Um, don't email me, uh, as much as you want to. Like, I'm sure there's people, like, you're going to have so many questions. I, I get that. I do hope to do an, uh, a video series. It might even be, like, be out or in the or in process even by the time that this episode hits production. But um, I hope to do kind of some YouTube videos that kind of talk about the holidays, the holidays that we're used to and how we engage them or don't engage them and just why – Uh, and, and it won't be heavy handed at all. It will just be like, here's some of the decisions that we've made and why we've made them. And we wouldn't expect other people to do the same thing. And this isn't a morality thing. This is just, uh, choices. We live life intentionally. It was one Mm -hmm. of our family values as we go all in. Mm -hmm. And that means we live life intentionally. And so we're going to go all in on Christmas and we're going to figure out how we want to go all in. And that also means going all in on not doing some things. And so yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. So save that email if you want to write me that. Uh, we'll talk about that some other time, maybe in a future Session 6 podcast with with Becky Solomon. And please don't—hopefully don't, you have listened and listened well, and hopefully I did a good time—a uh, 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 good—hopefully I communicated clearly in Session 4 when we studied the book of Galatians what I think about Jews and Gentiles and Torah observance. Not everybody that listens to the podcast is going to agree with that. Not everybody's going to see it that way, especially we have lots of Messianic Jews that listen to our podcast. Not all of them are going to see this the same way or have the exact same theology. But please don't hear, when you listen to me and and my wife talk about this, and, and for some of you, depending on your personality style, depending on your Enneagram number, depending on who you are, you're going to hear this and you're going to be like, oh, I want to go on that journey too. And you're going to start trying to dig for, uh, Jewish roots in your family lineage and ways to justify like, and just be very, uh, just, just know that that's not what we're trying to do. I did, I did not want to be, I had, I had for years been teaching very adamantly. I mean, I had been on that journey at that point. I had come back from Israel and Turkey. Like I was very adamant that, uh, Jews are supposed to be Jews and Gentiles aren't. And that's how the gospel works as Jew and Gentile comes together in their unique diversity. And that's the blended nature of the, I was like very adamant, like Gentiles shouldn't be being Torah observant. That's not what the New Testament teaches. In fact, it teaches quite blatantly the opposite. Um, So just, that wasn't something I wanted to come into, but it was something that my teacher Ray said, you just need to know how you're going to articulate that when somebody asks you because you're going to need to know how your life lines up with your theology based on your own family heritage. So a lot of details in that, a lot of questions that you could ask and a lot of things we could talk about. Just uh, don't think to what I'm trying to say or what we're even trying to encourage. In fact, I'm trying to discourage a, oh yeah, we want to be Jewish too. That's, that's not really how it works. Um, And there's a lot of supersessionism And there's a lot of appropriation, uh, like, here's some big words for you, supersessionist. Go look that up. And then uh, another great word, maybe Brent can find uh, some Wikipedia links about supersessionism. And uh, probably not a Wikipedia link on this, but the idea of appropriationism, um, to appropriate something. Uh, There's a lot of what's so offensive to Judaism is how Christians can appropriate the Jewish faith. When they start to learn their Jewish roots of their Jewish faith, we start to appropriate it, and uh, it can lead to a lot of very anti-Semitic things, and unintentionally, sometimes intentionally, and uh, it's just no good. So we need to be we need to be super aware of that. We need to be sensitive to that, and we didn't know what that what that looks like going forward. I know that raises a bunch of questions, uh, but uh, let me read a passage here. We like the we like the Bible, so I'm going to read some verses here. Uh, Leviticus, this will cap up our our discussion here on Jewish living, right? Leviticus 20. So Leviticus 20 comes at the end of... Brent, will you link our Leviticus section in the show notes for us? We did a Leviticus episode uh, in session one. We'll link that below because we talked a lot about Leviticus and how it's designed. And we talked about the priest sandwich, the priest witch, if you go back 180 episodes ago. Um, We were talking a lot about the priest sandwich because in the middle of Leviticus... You have two sections of priesthood, what it means to be, a, to be a priest on the front end, and then what happens when you fail at priesthood on the back end. And then the middle of that is the middle of the chiasm, which talks about how to live. Okay, so right at the end of chapter 20 is right at the end of this whole middle section on how to live. All these laws about eating kosher, and kosher clothing, and, and cleanliness laws, and... All of this stuff about how to and then and then chapter twenty uh, all about your sexual relations and before that was about land ownership and just talking about everything and at the end of this whole section on how to live right before you get into the section on priesthood God gives these words about why like why all these why all these kosher laws why all, it's not just because it's a better way to live it's more healthy it's not no 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 it's not like medical benefits of eating kosher. Nope, 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 nope. It's not what Leviticus says. Listen, is what Leviticus says. Why, why did he ask his people to be different? Why did he ask them to eat kosher? Why did he ask them to wear kosher clothing? Here it is. Verse 22. Leviticus 20, 22. Keep all my decrees and laws and follow them, so that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out, You must not live according to the customs of the nations I am going to drive out before you, because they did all these things. I abhorred them. But I said to you, you will possess this land, and I will give it to you as an inheritance, and uh, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has set you apart from the nations." You must therefore make a distinction between clean and unclean animals, between unclean and clean birds, and do not defile yourselves by an animal or a bird or anything that that, uh, moves along the ground. Those which I have set apart as unclean for you, you are to be holy to me. Remember that word holy from session one, kadosh, to be set apart, to be different. You are to be holy. You are to be different. You are to be set apart to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, am different, and set apart. I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. So, God said, I am giving you these rules that you can be different, Uh, In Exodus speak, so that you can be a kingdom of priests, a group of people that put Uh, God on display and again go back and listen to Leviticus episode to remind yourself of all that and you feel like that's what you have Experienced with the Jewish living.
1: Yeah. Yep
0: to be different. You feel different.
1: I do feel very different
0: Not too different.
1: Not too different. It's not like oppressive
0: different. It could be certainly could be but for us We try not to do it that way. Right.
1: And I think um, Just looking at you visually you could see it on you more than me,
0: right? Yep And yet still not as much as say if you're used to an Orthodox Jewish community I'm not wearing black and white suit coat with a white dress shirt and black pants and a black hat. Like, I still have a certain contemporary feel to me, but there's no doubt I'm wearing tassels. Uh, when I leave, I wear Keepa, Like, a- absolutely. There's a, And I can remember seeing it with our kids. I can remember Abby when she was little and starting to go to school. And we were teaching her what it meant to be different, what it meant to be set apart, what we just read about in Leviticus. And one day she was like, I'm so, dad, I don't want to be different. I remember her saying that exact words. And and that was where I knew we had bumped up right against the, that's right. That was the tension we wanted to live in right there. We didn't want to keep going further. We didn't want to keep making it more oppressive and more restrictive and more different. Like we wanted, that was the spot we wanted to stop uh, in and sit in that kind of tension. And then as she's gotten older, we've been able to grow and do more and more and more, but which leads us into parenting. Mm. What kind of big ideas do you think we'll be able to talk about in the future with parenting? Let's just dip our toe in the pool here. It doesn't have to be a Jewish thing, like just parenting in general.
1: For sure, both of our kids are different in their own way. And so learning what, what your child is like and how to parent that child, communicating with your child, what does discipline look like with your child, maybe?
0: Parenting is not a universal experience. It's no. not a static abstract concept that we apply to all children in our family. It's a dynamic. We definitely, we definitely have different methods with Abigail than we do Ezekiel. Yeah. Have to. Yeah. So people sometimes are like, well, what are, what does parenting look like? Like, what is that? Like it's an abstract thing in a vacuum and it's not, it's not a static abstract Greek idea. Parenting is a dynamic, relational, living, breathing, vibrant evolving it's that's that's the term dynamic it's not static it's dynamic so much about our faith is dynamic and our westernism tries to make it static so yes we do things differently for Mm -hmm. sure
1: yeah and just the phases they're in we were uh, when they were young just trying to survive and play with them and hang out with them
0: I was just on a – I had a Facebook message this morning from one of our friends, close friends, and they were asking me about – I just posted – this would have been months ago. But I just posted uh, the uh, – my annual like favorite books of 2020 list, and one of them was saying like, okay, now how do you have all the time to read all these books? Like where in the world do you find that? And so I was talking about my what my routine was. But I also knew where their family was at, and their family is five, six, seven years behind ours. They have a Mm -hmm. little Mm two-year-old. And man, did you have to give yourself a ton of grace because you didn't have the flexibility. You didn't have the time. You didn't have the... Do you remember... Like nowadays, you you actually actively engage disciplines, just like I do, Mm -hmm. with our children. Like you have your prayer time in the morning. Mm -hmm. You do it daily. Mm -hmm. But... Do you remember what it was like when you had a one and a two-year-old and a three-year-old? Yeah. Do you remember the conversations you had with me? Because I do. Do you I remember those?
1: I don't. But I remember it was very inconsistent if I did have it.
0: If at all. And you felt, how did you feel about that?
1: Well, I don't know, remember what I told you exactly. Uh, but you felt I super just,
0: guilty. Like you were supposed to. Yes. Like, oh, Christians are supposed to have, even complicated even more by our Judaism. Like, yeah. we're supposed to have all of this practice. And you just, you physically didn't have that kind of space. Yeah. And we had to realize that that wasn't going to be the case for the next 16 years. Yes. It was only the case for the next two or three years. And we were going to give ourselves lots of grace about all the things that we wish we could do that right now in this season, we're not going to get to do and we're not going to get that back.
1: Yeah. Which set me up in a good space for the future too. I didn't feel guilty about it and I could step into a space slowly and learn how to do it and i did and it's been great and we're teaching that to our children as well right yeah so in the parenting we can we have done things a little differently with our kids that being one of them i'm sure we talk about our disciplines with our kids
0: for all of you moms out there and we have lots of them that listen to our podcast And you're like, okay, Marty, I hear you. And I want to be about this and I want to learn and I want to study and I want to memorize and I want to, but you, and you have the personality and the drive, but you struggle because you have all these other things that you have as a mom or a a career or whatever it is that you have, a dad, (laughs) let's not make this gender specific, you're a stay at home dad, you struggle with the same stuff, you, whatever it might be, and your life doesn't allow you to, to have all the stuff and do all the things, please, please, please hear hear the message of like Sabbath rest that isn't connected to the day. It's, it's like the kind of Sabbath rest you're invited to. Like cut yourself all kinds of slack and just accept the fact that you're in a season for whatever reason and you can't do everything you want to do. But you are going to steward what God has given you to the best of your ability and quit feeling guilty about that. Ephesians 6 very first few verses here children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth but then this verse fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up In the training and instruction of the Lord, fathers do not, fathers and mothers—I would add—in our day, fathers and mothers do not exasperate your children. Bring them up instead in the training and instruction of the Lord. What are your thoughts when you hear that verse?
1: Well, there was this one little story that's been kind of in the back of my mind. We um, we do Sabbath in our family. We rest on Saturdays. We've been teaching our kids that. Saturday is our Sabbath as a family. And it was one summer. We, Abby was just little. We went outside to play and someone was mowing their lawn. And Abby says...
0: Like you do on a Saturday.
1: Like you do on a Saturday. Why is he working on a Saturday?
0: <laughs> right. Yep.
1: Uh, so, um... Yeah. Part of parenting too is just building your kids up for success. Right. Um, Teach them and practice and have your kids watch you. Your kids are watching. Right. And and you're going to fail. Everybody does. And so having your kids watch you and trying to lead by example.
0: Yeah. I've loved this idea of not exasperating your children. Like for whatever reason, that phrase of that verse – has always just stuck, like leapt off the page and stuck in my consciousness as a parent because I just feel like that's, I know it's where I would be tempted. My personality would be tempted to be rigid and perfectly committed and strive for all out, you know, we go all in, That's a family value, and just exasperate my kids, exhaust my kids. And I've never—I think we make that mistake. If you are a Christian family that's been raised in Christian values, I think we so easily—and I want to talk about this more on a future podcast. We'll go deeper into this idea because I know so much of our audience, uh, there are a couple uh, movements that many of our listeners are from that will go unnamed, uh, but a couple uh, denominational, -denominational, non-denominational religious movements that are very committed— to a rigid religious faith-oriented methodology. Um, and it worked for them. And It's actually what Jesus used to save them. And they, they came to faith in this movement by the thousands and the thousands and the tens of thousands. And then they had children and they raised their children up in this same rigid methodology. And, uh, and they experience this exasperation that Paul talks about. Um, and so I want to. I just want to talk about this a lot more. But one of my passions have has always been. I never want my children. I'm a pastor. I'm a missionary. I'm whatever you want to call it. I'm a CEO of a nonprofit. I don't know how you want to talk about that. But I have never wanted my children to resent the church, to resent Jesus, like I never want them to hear Jesus and go, Ugh, um. I just, I've never wanted that. I want them to hear Jesus and go that, yeah, that's what compels me. That's what, that's what I want to be more. I want to have more of that. And so if I'm overbearing, if I have all this morality and rules and here's all the things and all the music you can't listen to and the TV you can't watch and all the stuff that you can't do and all the things that we're going to make sure that we do and we have to do it and and if there's no flex and no breathing and no fathers, you'll exasperate your kids. You'll exasperate your kids. And you'll do it in the name of Jesus, and it will get associated with Jesus and the faith that we know saves us. And so fathers, don't exasperate your kids, but instead, instead raise them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Um, So we'll talk more about that, like how we do that and those kind of things. But all right. And then the last little bit we'll just chat about is Marriage. 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 Yeah. Is that one of your favorite movies? Yeah. Marriage. I don't
1: think you had seen that when we... I had not. Got married. So we watched it.
0: Unbelievably them. so. But I had not seen it. But Thank goodness for that. Yes. Marriage. What are your big ideas with marriage? Mm. What, what are things we would talk about with marriage?
1: I think there's lots of layers to marriage. And... Our story or journey, we, you know, have had to learn through more in different areas than others. But what's one thing we want to tell people about our marriage?
0: I don't know. I'm asking you. <laughs> uh,
1: we, Me and Marty, personally, we had to figure out how to communicate to each other. Ooh. We still struggle with that. 17 years. But we're getting better, huh?
0: Yeah. We'll have lots to talk about when it comes to some of that stuff. I've had to go on a long journey of learning about a personality that I thought was perfect speaking of my own and the things I've had to learn about how I was just sabotaging relationships but most importantly my marriage so yeah definitely talk about that um what else do you think about first of all let me say this we have like you were talking about this even with the we were talking about the Jewish living and even when we talk about parenting, but we're talking about the Jewish living. You talked about like, you knew that what God had called me to and you didn't want to get in the way of that. And like your personality gravitates to what we might call like a more traditional role. You've always wanted that from the days that you were a little girl.
1: Yeah. Yes. I knew that as a little child,
0: but that, that it can often be misleading because would you say that we are, Totally committed to egalitarianism, like that's that's a big word, right? Mm-hmm. Egalitarianism versus complementarianism. Like, there's a worldview that says, like, there's a role for men and women, and the man's job is to lead, and the woman's job is to submit, and all the women are supposed to fit in this. Like, that's complementarianism. It doesn't have to be like this rigid, like, I totally that was a straw man caricature of that worldview. Um, But that's not the worldview that we would hold. Even though that's the role that you love to fill, you love, you choose to, that's the role you've always wanted to fill. But when you see, like when you think about our daughter, Abigail, like you would never want to teach her that like, well, that's what the woman's job is. Oh, right, right. Like you would say we're in full support of. When we have friends where the woman wants to work and the man wants to be a stay-at-home dad Yeah. or... He wants to cook and do the laundry and like, we're all about the, Mm -hmm. so don't be deceived if you listen to us talk and we're like, oh, they have a really complimentary and traditional (laughs) worldview. We just happen to function that way because of our personalities, but it wouldn't necessarily reflect our philosophical or theological understanding of things. Not to, to tell everybody what has to be done, but it can be somewhat misleading but you've you've loved that role, right? Yes.
1: Oh, yes, I have.
0: You you like mom?
1: I did. I told you when we were dating. I said, I just want to be a stay at home mom. I know that's that's always what I've wanted, and I want to have kids and I want to be at home with them. And and luckily, we've been blessed enough that I can stay home.
0: Yeah, that's right. Thanks to a lot of you supporters and yeah. listeners out there. Yeah. Um and. it serves your personality in lots of ways you are you're a feeler you're an empath you're an enneagram nine yes yes for all of our enneagram folks out there i'm an eight i'm an enneagram eight Uh, my wife is an enneagram nine Mm -hmm. um uh, any other kind of personality
1: and and not only did i want to have my own kids and stay at home i wanted to watch other people's kids at my home
0: and you did for a long time i did
1: for almost 10 years 10 years Yeah, and I just love babies, and I love them. I'll watch them all day long.
0: Yeah, You were also ready to be done for a little while.
1: And, and at the end of that 10 years, which was just <laughs> recently, I said, okay, um, I, I'm done.
0: Ready for some adult time. Yep. So for all you that do support our ministry, um, we're hoping to uh, bring Becky on as an assistant, a part-time assistant of mine, to help me answer some of these unbelievable emails that come in, just the email lotus. And I don't want to ignore them. I want to answer them. But she's going to help me answer some of the ones that don't require my full attention. So your support's going to help us do that. Instead of Marty taking a race, we're just going to bring my wife on board if we can. And she's going to help me do some of that task work that can easily be done. So, again, hear me say thank you for all of you that support our ministry. Uh, you're going to enable our our family to keep moving in those directions and keep being who we've always loved being and and feel called to be and and steward that hopefully as well as we can uh some of the things we talk about on the podcast with marriage etzer connecto the support the etzer the help connecto the opposition the help that opposes we're going all the way back to episode like two on this one but we talked about adam and eve the etzer connecto like it always gets translated like help meet and people are like oh she was made to like Come alongside and help. And she was taken out of the man. And But actually, it's radically different than that. Like the Ish and the Isha, Adam was a whole. The he, literal Hebrew there is he was a whole. He was a round. is what the word literally means. He was a round. And God took some of the round out of him. He was a whole circle. And God took some of the circle out of him. And he made it into woman. And so there's this man and woman, this symbiotic, like only together do they find their wholeness they were made in the image of god male and female he created them in the image of god so male and female and then so so when you take when you only have male you don't have the whole thing when you only have female you you don't have the whole thing only when male and female in this com, this humanity that we talk about that's where the wholeness is found so so it's not like this oh god took a little piece out of him so that it could come alongside and help him but god took a part of him so that he was no longer everything to himself and then the the help meet i've always hated that translation because it's so um so misleading to me the the help that opposes the support that opposes and in session in episode two we talked about the two planks that lean against each other like they're opposing each other but in that in that opposition they are leaning against each other and holding each other up and if you were to take a plank away the other plank falls to the ground and so you were saying we were opposites in like every way you could possibly imagine Mm -hmm. and do you feel like the idea of etzer connecto and you're even an enneagram nine and you don't want to get in the way of my calling and you love to support me Mm -hmm. and yet do you do you feel like etzer connecto describes that better than this concept of yeah you were made as like this little piece of me that's supposed to come alongside and help (laughs) me like you see yourself at have you sensed in our marriage the opposition Like, do you oppose me?
1: Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way that's supportive. It's helpful. Yeah, helpful.
1: There was an instant when when your Marty has anxiety often, and you said you turned to me and said, "Can you just come with me?" Because you just help me keep me calm and help my anxiety go down. And I was just like, "Yes, let me come aside uh, along with you, but let me support you because I know that together." We can work through this together, and if no one else can be there for you, who's supporting you? And I just um, know you well enough that I can come alongside you and be supporting.
0: Yeah, and someday we'll have to get into the idea of teshuka, which is the word that is used in Genesis Um, 3.16. Foreman will talk about it in his book. Brent, if you'll link this book. The Beast That Crouches at the Door by Rabbi David Foreman. If you haven't gotten that book, it's a great purchase. Uh, But he talks about in there Adam and Eve and who Eve is and Cain and his desire. Because the word used in Genesis for desire in Genesis 3.16, it says, To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. like that translation. Child-rearing is actually an even better translation. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. Your desire... The Hebrew word right there for desire, your desire will be for your husband is tashuka, Teshuka. and it shows up again later in the Cain story, um, when it says uh, desire. Uh, the beast is crouching at the door. It's desire. It's tashuka, is for you, but you must master it. Now, according to my word study, the word tashuka is only used three times in the entire Hebrew Scriptures. Now, that might be, that might be a bad conclusion based on the Masoretic text, but. It's only in those two instances, Adam and Eve and Cain, and then one instance in the Song of Songs, um, this idea of Teshuka. But this particular expression of Teshuka is a particular kind of desire. It's not like the typical desire that we would think of. And the rabbis had a teaching that Rabbi Foreman talked about where he said, the rabbis say there are four Teshukas. And as far as I'm aware, that doesn't come out of the Hebrew Scriptures. It's a rabbinic midrash. Um, so it's not like a literal like if you go looking for the four teshukahs you're not going to find them in the Hebrew text as far as I'm aware. Um, but the midrash says there are four different teshukahs. The teshukah of the rain for the earth, the teshukah of God for his people, the for the wife for the teshukah of the wife for the husband, and the teshukah that Cain's evil desire has for him. So those are the four teshukot. Now when you start and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But when you think about it, it seems all backwards. And the rabbis are trying to talk to us about what kind of desire this teshuka is. Because rain has teshuka for the earth. The rain has teshuka, the rain desires the earth. What seems off about that to yeah, you, Beck? should desire the rain. The earth should desire the rain. Like the earth gets dry and parched and its desire goes out, it desires the rain, like it wants the rain. But this isn't a desire of want. So what about the next one? What about God's Teshuka for his people? Same thing. Like Mm -hmm. you would think, oh, the people are supposed to desire God and yet God desires his people? Like what is that? And it's the commentary you need to understand this desire of Teshuka used in Genesis. The rain was like its whole purpose For existing. It's this is that kind it's a different kind of it's not the desire of want. It's 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 a desire of what you're made and created to do. Rain is made to fall on the earth. God has Teshuka for, and God's not made, but God has an inherent. God's very nature is to bless. Rain's very nature is to water the earth. God's very nature is to love his people. The wife's very nature is to complete her husband. Not, again, not in a patriarchal, complementarian, submissive. That's not what I'm talking about. Her design, she was the part of Adam that was removed so that he was no longer whole. So her whole design is to oppose him in a way that supports him to come against him in a a way that completes him. Um, And and then the teaching goes on to talk about Cain's evil desire, which has nothing to do with marriage, but the whole concept of desire is a good thing. When we get hungry, we eat. God designed us that way. Desire is not the bad thing. Desire is not like, it's not like desire is supposed to be avoided. No, desire keeps you alive. Uh, Desire is uh, is often a very, very good thing. Um, But desire can also be something that is uh, misused, abused, followed to uh, inappropriate or destructive ends. And so desire has to find its proper place. Anyway, uh, my point there was to talk about husbands and wives, but I love that idea of Tashuka. So we can, we can talk about that more. Oh, no, we've done a long episode here. Oh. Who knew that when I talked to you on the I podcast, I'd have, 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 have so much fun. Hours and people are like you didn't let her talk enough. Marty, you talked the whole time. I'll come uh,
1: back. We'll talk
0: more. We'll talk more. We'll have her back. Anytime that I can't get Brent on an episode to record and my wife is home, we'll do a we'll do a guest interview with my wife. It'll be fantastic.
1: There you go. I'll be here.
0: I love it. Well, there you have it everybody. Let's see. Can I remember how Brent closes things? Thanks for joining us today. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find me at Marty Solomon. Uh, you can find my wife on Twitter, but she rarely gets on Twitter.
1: Yeah, you I mean you'll see my name there, but Do you remember I... what
0: your call? What your Soul no. Man's Girl or something like that?
1: Uh, maybe. I,
0: I think it's like Soulman's Man's Girl or something okay. like that. Very loving Twitter handle mm-hmm. in a reference to me. Um, and then uh, you can find Brent on Twitter at E I B C B. You can also find the Bema, by the way, at the underscore beymah. And you can find us there. But uh, thanks for joining us on the Bay Mob podcast. We look forward to having Brent's voice bring us in the next time. Thanks. All right, read, uh, all right sweetie, I'm going to read you a... I just called you sweetie on a podcast. Uh-oh. All right, sweetie.
1: And Brent's going to have to edit that out.